preach like a bright, black preacher. When I go to heaven, I want to be able to sing. Amen. The past two weeks, Chris has invited us to rethink what it's like to be Christians in the public square. Have you been challenged? A little bit? Yes. I have. And from what I've read on the blogs, you have too. If you haven't been with us the last few weeks, I want to invite you to go onto our website and listen to those sermons because this is a community-wide conversation. We have to understand what we're doing as a community for the kingdom of God. Listening to these sermons, if you're like me, you want to act. You want to do something about what we've been learning but you're not quite sure what to do. Some of you may not even be sure if it's safe to do anything. I was introduced to a song this week that I want to share the lyrics with you, just a few of the lines. It's entitled Somewhere in the Middle. And I really resonated with what this song says. It says, Somewhere between my faith and my plans... Somewhere between my heart and my hands, somewhere between contented peace and always wanting more, somewhere in the middle, you'll find me. Somewhere between who I was and who God's making me. We're all fearless Christians in a picket fence, restless abandon wrapped in common sense. Deep water faith in the shallow end. The God we want and the God who is. But will we trade our dreams for his? The struggle with the God we want and the God who is has been going on for a long, long time. A long time. The Israelites on their journey towards the promised land wanted a God that they can see and worship. The Jewish leaders of the time of Jesus wanted a God, wanted the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to come down and restore their kingdom again. But rather... They got a man who was bent down at the feet of his followers, washing their feet, teaching them anew, teaching them a new type of power under, lamb power, something that we still strive to understand today something that is still challenging us today. This series that we're looking at, talking about the politics of God, is not one where we're trying to establish another voting block. Because we all know we don't need another one. But what we do want to do is we want to 
to study, to explore the teachings of God and see what it is that we're supposed to do as kingdom citizens, ones that promote land power in our world. Now, I have to tell you that the politics of God are not American politics. Take a deep breath. It's not American politics. Neither is it the politics of the American religious right. And my friends, I have to tell you, I know it's shocking, but it's not the politics of Adventists in Southern California. But the politics of the people of God must be the politics of God. Lots of words that can be confusing but have distinct meaning. Because my Christian worldview dictates how I view the candidates, policy matters, and social issues. And it means that I can't use theology to try to defend and justify my political preferences. The power under model forces me to reevaluate all my beliefs. It compels me, as Chris says, to consider the other in every situation. And sometimes that's easy to do. In others, the issues are very complex. Because as Christians, we must protect the church from becoming the arena of the world. You heard this a few weeks ago. While preaching that the church, while preaching to the church, that the world is our arena. When Jesus says the poor we will always have with us, I wonder if he's also implying that the rich we will also have with us. I struggle with this because the most recent economic stimulus package reminds us that our circle of the oppressed might need to be a little bit wider. I wonder if land power people sometimes have to include the rich in the circle of the oppressed. In the book, Everything Must Change, Brian McLaren shares that blaming the rich for the poverty of the poor can be another expression of inequity. What does that mean? As kingdom people, we need to recognize that being lamb power people means that we do not allow the oppression of anybody. Recognizing the complex interactions of our economy, our social issues, and our political systems that are constantly at odds with each other. Christ always extends an invitation to follow and an invitation to help. This means that as power under people, we have a greater responsibility to do good, to teach good in our world. We must live out our days generously, promoting, not coercing generosity, and definitely not allowing any further oppression. It's always a voluntary sacrifice that Christ asks for, never coerced, never forced. Lamb power forces me to consider the other 
when it comes to immigration, border security, and whatever else term you want to name it. Because it forces me to consider what I'm willing to do for a living and what I'm willing to get paid for it. It also forces me to consider those that are in line to come into this country legally while recognizing that the children that are already here are here with no choosing of their own. It forces me to consider lots of issues in lots of different ways. As kingdom citizens, it causes us to rethink the line that separates them and me. The power under teaching of Jesus tells me that the subprime lending crisis is not only a concern for the overextended, but the entire community. It doesn't concern me because it will drive my home prices down, although that's a bad thing. It concerns me because each foreclosure means that someone, some family, is in pain and needs to experience kingdom love. I must also recognize that there are investors, many of us here, that have our resources and banks and lending institutions that have crises of their own. It's a dark night when kingdom people are spectators of genocide in Africa, bombings in the Middle East, the homeless in the Americas, and human trafficking in Asia. But as Christians, we're reminded, we're invited to actively participate in the joy that comes in the morning. Many of us will never go into public life and become one that molds public policy. As Christians, our authority comes from lamb power, the bottom-up authority that comes from sacrificing our wants and sometimes even our needs to meet the needs of others. So what can we do? We all want to help the poor, don't we? We all want to be involved in some way to assist those that are in poverty. Brian McLaren shares some approaches, multifaceted, because all these conversations are difficult. The first approach, he says, is what we all know already, help the poor through generosity, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the imprisoned, caring for the sick. But as we serve, we have to be careful to avoid patterns of dehumanizing and demoralizing that we have often done in the past. I want to introduce you to an organization, the organization known as the Peace Hospital Foundation. It's an organization that is a dream of an Adventist dentist. And his goal, his vision, is to create hospitals of peace in UN-recognized conflict areas around the world. Afghanistan. Can you name some others? Some people, we've got to know these. Conflict areas around the world. Israel, Palestine. Somalia. Somalia, Kenya. 
the Korean Peninsula, wherever you look at, there are so many areas of conflict. If you want to get involved, it's a great way. Their vision, their goal is to create hospitals that will treat the children of these conflict areas in an effort to teach them after they heal them the message of peace, a central message of Jesus Christ. This is a lamb power idea. Second, Brian suggests that we call the rich to generosity. If you've been keeping up with the blogs, uh, Jim posted these numbers from the World Bank, and I was just dumbfounded when I read them. I don't know how much you spend in a day, but according to the World Bank, 1.1 billion people consume less than $1 a day. I'm just going to pause and let that sink in for a minute. But it gets even worse. 2.7 billion people live on less than $2 a day. The chasm between the rich and the poor grows wider and wider every day. Calling the rich to generosity is an invitation to recognize that each human life is sacred, must not be abused, and cannot be allowed to suffer injustice. So that means that in today's world, we have to be creative of how we do this. I want to introduce you to Product Red. It's an initiative of Bono and the World Fund, where companies like Gap, you shop at the Gap? I did for this. Purchase products like these T-shirts made in Africa to allow citizens to support their families with dignity. The World Fund, with the help of Product Red, has committed over $10 billion since 2002 to life-saving programs in 136 countries. The $10 billion accounts for over a quarter of the commitment that we've made as humankind to fund AIDS programs in developing countries. Two-thirds of the world's funding for malaria and TB. The third approach that Brian suggests is that we work to improve the system that we are a part of. To study the system, to get involved in the system, and remove any injustice so that it could be equitable to more people. Some of you are still asking, is it okay, is it a God thing to be involved in matters in the public square? James Standish, our church's representative on Capitol Hill, puts it this way. He says it's the work of the Christian church to engage in kingdom politics for good. It's the work of the Christian church to promote good and to defend the oppressed. 
Isn't that a God thing? Isn't that true lamb power? It means that we can initiate conversations with our members of Congress like Jerry Lewis, our assemblymen like Paul Cook, and just going down the street to our city offices right here in in Calamasa and initiating conversations with our city leaders of what it is that our city needs. Rebecca Brillhart is the co-chair of an organization known as Action in Montgomery. Action in Montgomery is an interfaith congregational group of 29 congregations, and their goal is to help improve the lives of the citizens of Montgomery County, Maryland. And by working with government leaders, they are proud to, to state that they've increased affordable housing, They've created all-day daycares, and they've improved the community centers. Action in Montgomery meets every quarter with about 200 delegates from congregations and community representatives. Here's the interesting part. In addition to being the co-chair of this organization, Rebecca is an associate pastor at the Sligo Adventist Church where 30 of her members are also involved in this organization. Various groups have interviewed her. We have a short clip of an interview that that someone did where she shares about this project they're going to watch right now. And so the two issues that were focused that evening were housing and immigration. Right, affordable housing for everyone in the county and uh, bringing an INS office full service in the location of uh, the southeastern part of Montgomery County where we have the largest concentration of immigrant population. Well, that doesn't sound like the normal issues that people talk about in the context of a church service. Is this a shift for Sligo to spend time talking about the location of an immigration office? And uh, is that something new for you guys? It is very new. Uh, It's a concern that we've had because a great share of our congregation uh, are immigrants themselves or come from immigrant families, maybe second generation. But I'm not sure in the past that we've known quite how we would address this as a community of faith. Mm -hmm. And so uh, about two years ago when we were first introduced to some other congregations and members of Action in Montgomery, began these one-on-one interviews, we began to see how important it could be to our congregation and also in our community to be able to share what was blossoming in our congregation you know, as a way to address some of these very specific needs. Mm. How do you make the link, though, between um, the, the, the worship life of your congregation and, and, and this, you know, the advocacy work that you're doing through um, AIM? Well, it's very simple. Jesus Christ is our example and his first priority was always to take care of the needs of others and so I think that that's very simple really as we think about what it means to be uh, followers of Jesus in our community it means to take care of people to see the need and to be loved where we live in the recent interview with Adventist News Network she was asked this question. Are you saying that Adventists are too internally focused? Here's her reply. 
Not mine, hers. Send her the emails. I think we are in general. It's truly my desire that more Adventist churches in our location will take notice of some of these associations to be less fearful and know we can play an integral role because of the message that we have, because of the hope that we have. I think it's not just a nice thing to think about, but it's a critical thing, she says, to be credible as Christians in today's society. Obviously, the conversation isn't over. Many more perspectives out there, and dialogue is so important, especially in a community like this. We must continue talking about this. We must continue being centered on the other. An American pastor goes to Central Africa and he's about to enter the home of a friend. And as he's going in, he asks his friend, how is it that I'm supposed to greet your elders? So he says, when you go into the house and you greet my father, you shake his hand with two hands. You put your left left hand on your right forearm and you shake his hand. And then he says, when you go to greet my mother, you walk up to her and you kiss her on her cheek several times. And each time you kiss her, you say, Amaroro. So he asks, how many times do I do that? And he says, you do it until you feel the peace. That's what that word means, flowing between the two of you. It's a word of traditional African origin used widely across Africa. It has special meanings in places like Rwanda, Burundi, and the Congo, where violence and genocide have inflicted so much pain. So when people of various tribes embrace, they shake hands or they kiss and they share that greeting. They're sharing peace. But more importantly, they're expressing a deep hope for a better future. Halfway around the world, in Africa, they dream of land power. Land power that can fulfill today, right here. Land power that can be fulfilled today, ensuring a future of hope that we are all invited to embrace. Jesus never doubted that a small group of committed followers could change the world. He lived with them for three years. We can and we must be promoters and visionaries of a new generation of hope, peace, and prosperity. I want to be a lamb power Christ follower that serves the world in compassion, in love, and promotes justice. 
And I pray that our Calamasa Church will generously share kingdom amoroho everywhere we go. Amen. Father in heaven, we want to invite you that invite you to, to still be our vision, to instill us your vision of what your kingdom will look like here on earth. And in that process, I pray that this community will be a community that goes from here sharing kingdom on with the world around us. Amen.